Junior Church, you are dismissed to walk. Always excited to see all of our kids as they're growing, not just taller, but also in their faith. We're excited about that. This year, we are focused on what theme? Okay, we're going to start preaching. They're all walking over there. So what is the theme for this year? Destination. It's right up there. Go back. Um, never mind. So this theme emerged as we um, looked at the book of Acts, um, the elders and I. And in this book, we saw the destination of God. He was The destination was pouring out the Holy Spirit on his believers. And then it was the destination moved to building and establishing the church. Then we saw that the church was on the move, going out and reaching new people. Um, all of this shows the early Christians all had a destination from God driving them, establishing a place where they could come together and grow and worship in faith as the church, a purpose of going out and finding new people and teaching them and rescuing them from hell. Whenever we're going on a destination, whenever we're going on a journey, sometimes you have to take a detour. Sometimes there's something comes up and there will be a detour. And as we come to this Easter season, we're going to have a little detour from the book of Acts. We're going to back up into the Gospels. And we're going to examine all the things that led up to Easter Sunday, to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So with that, with this destination Easter, I have a question I want to ask you. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you want to do today? Just think about that. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you want to do today? Would you want to go somewhere you've never been before? See something that you've never seen. If you knew you only had a few hours to live, is there someone that you'd want to go talk to, spend time with? Would you want to spend your last few hours talking to influential people of the world, going to a president or a congressman or someone like that? Maybe you'd like to just spend a relaxing evening in the quietness of your home with your family. And this is really important because this morning, as we come to the beginning of our Easter series, we're going to see how Jesus chose to spend the last few hours of his earthly life. He knew it was coming to an end, and he purposely chose to do a few things. He didn't choose to go out and do something um, new. He didn't go out and try to talk to other people. Instead, he chose to do something that he had done several times. Times. He chose to observe the Passover with his disciples, one more fellowship with his close friends. But this supper was more than just another Passover celebration or another meal together. It's going to be so much more. Jesus is going to reveal several things to us about God's plan for salvation. And before we get into the scripture, let's go to God. Father, we we thank you for your, for your intentional direction to send Jesus, for him to purposely go to the cross so that we don't have to. God, as we look into the life, the earthly life of Jesus on these last few hours, help us to uh, see what you are speaking to us individually as, as well as the corporately, the church. 
Speak to us right now, God, through your word. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew today in chapter 26. This is the Last Supper. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man tell him, the teacher says, my time has come, and I'll eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus was told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. Jesus is in the last few hours of his life, and the disciples, not understanding this, are, hey, when's dinner? If you have teenagers... Especially boys, you know, when's dinner? What what are we going to eat? They're always asking this, and these disciples were no different then. But Jesus does something. He knows what's ahead in a few hours, and yet he's not frantic. He's not worried. He's not rushing to try and settle up earthly affairs. He's in peace and control. He sends the disciples ahead already knowing there is a certain room prepared by a certain man for this certain meal. The Last Supper reveals that God is always in control. He's always in control. Even in this last minute, it was already taken care of. And when we begin to understand that God is always in control of this world, everything in it, then our life will begin to change forever. It comes to us really knowing that God is sovereign. It's a word we don't use, especially in America. But sovereign. One of those churchy words. So let's let's really define some church words here. Sovereign means possessing supreme or ultimate power. Sovereign means supreme or ultimate. That means no one above. Even at the Last Supper, Jesus is showing that he is in control. There are three other words that people like to use to talk about God, and so I thought we'd bring them up. Omniscience means knows everything. Omnipotent means able to do anything. And omnipresent means everywhere at the same time. These three omni-words are used to describe God a lot. They point to God being sovereign, ultimate supreme power. Look at these three omni-words. God is omniscient. That means he can answer your most trying questions because he knows all the answers. God is omnipotent. He is strong enough to overcome your biggest obstacle. He's omnipresent. Meaning wherever you are in life, he can be right there with you. No matter what pain, trial, or tragedy comes your way, God is in control. All we have to do is follow into his footsteps to get into his plan. There is never a point when God is not in control. Real quick, just think about all the chaos in your life. Think about all the troubles, the calamities, the tragedy. There is never a time when God is not in control. There's always times when we're not. But God 
is always in control. And the Last Supper reveals that. Let's move on to verse 21. While they were eating, he, meaning Jesus, said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one of them asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. How terrible it would be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he'd never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. Here they are. I think this is kind of a comical scene right at first. Jesus is in front of all the disciples and says, one of you is going to betray me. If you've ever done something in front of kids and said, one of you did something wrong, oh, it wasn't me. I mean, they all play the game. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. But you know one of them did, and you can tell the guilty look. But Jesus did this publicly in front of all of them, in front of Judas, in front of the rest of them. One of you will betray me. Judas asks at me. You have said it in front of all of them. I can imagine that Judas never publicly mentioned his betrayal prior to this. He didn't go around saying, hey, guess what I did? I sold Jesus out. He he didn't do that before. I'm quite confident that he thought this was a secret, that he would get these 30 pieces of silver and do whatever he thought was going to do, and he was going to still be able to fellowship with Jesus. And I think this really shows us the Last Supper reveals that our sin is not hidden from God. Even at this moment, sin is not hidden from God. What Judas didn't fully understand at that moment is who Jesus is. Jesus is sovereign. He is above ultimate power. He is God. And Jesus saw not just Judas. He saw into Judas. He already knew what Judas' intentions were. There are many times we think we can do something that nobody's going to know about. We're going to keep it secret. Nobody will know and nobody will ever figure it out. We may have thoughts that are unclean. We may say some gossip to other people and, oh, the church will never find out or my family will never find out. We may end up, oops, and say an unchristian word. Maybe we pull a fast one on somebody and kind of cheat a little bit on the money or on an assignment or a task. No one will ever know but me. But the Last Supper reveals that nothing is hidden from God. How many of you tried to get away with something when you were younger and yet your parents found out? I, I was this uh, at this one time trying to get away with stuff. I was trying to sneak home late. That never worked because my mom was always awake. By the way, she's right here. Hi, Mom. Usually she's watching on the screen. No, she's here right now to make sure that I don't say anything wrong. But I tried to get away with stuff, and my mom would say, what would you do? She just knew. If our parents can know when we have done something wrong, why do we think we can keep it hidden from God? If moms have eyes on the back of their heads, how much more can God see us? 
Judas thought he could get away with what he was doing, but he soon realized he wasn't getting away with anything. And I want us to really understand something. Neither are you. Neither am I. God sees. God knows. And so just like in public, in front of all of them then, Jesus is going to offer a time, hey, you betrayed me. Wouldn't it be better if we right now said, I did it, I want to change. Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus. Judas never seeks repentance or forgiveness and he goes and dies. Peter seeks forgiveness and repentance and becomes a leader in the church. The difference was how they responded to their failure. Because Jesus would have forgiven. He's proven that. So we need to change that. Realize that our sins are not hidden and actually let go of them. And stop it from controlling us and destroying us like it did to Judas. Our sins are not hidden. Let's go on to verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. He took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. We just went through communion. We just looked at the love and the, the power of Jesus on the cross for us. Jesus I'm out. I don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. So, we're going to take a moment and look at what's coming in the door. Welcome home, Cassidy. great when you can make an entrance, right? So uh, many of you have known Cassidy was in an accident, and uh, she was struggling, and they said that she was going to be in the hospital for months and months and months, and she said no. And so now she's home, right? She is home. And uh, just... That's right. That isn't just an entrance. That's a miracle. God has been moving in and through her. And what a testimony. She said, I may be late, but I'm here. Right? So, uh, I can't beat that. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was in the sermon right now. I looked over and time out. What's going on? Time for a conclusion. Let's just go home. So we just read that scripture. Um, Jesus is talking about the communion. We just took this, right? We just celebrated communion. Jesus did not come to just teach us good things. 
He didn't just come to teach us nice things. He came to do something huge and powerful. I mean, just like we just saw, that was something huge and powerful that we got to see physically in front of us. He came for a purpose. Jesus came for a purpose of giving his life as a ransom for all of us, for so many people. He came to be a blood sacrifice so that my sins would be taken away. So that any of those who put their faith in him, trust in him, could stand righteously before God. To stand before God without guilt. He came to die in my place. He came to suffer in my place. He came to shed his blood that mine should have bled for. He came that I would have life. See, the the Last Supper reveals the true meaning, the true purpose for Jesus coming to earth. He came to give me what I could never earn, what I could never pay for, what I could never borrow to get. He came to give me salvation full and free, free for me, but it cost him. We need to understand that. Let me ask you, that, that old hymn, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because this Last Supper reveals the purpose, the meaning of why Jesus came to earth. Let's go to verse 29. Mark my words. If anybody ever says that, you know there's something important coming. Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is a promise from Jesus to us. Jesus promised to celebrate another supper. It was the last supper then, but it is not the last supper forever. The last supper reveals the promise of my, of our eternal future. I get to have another feast with Jesus. This is a great promise from Jesus to all his genuine followers. There is going to be one day a great feast in heaven. There's going to be a great feast with Jesus sitting there saying, Welcome home, my family. It's a promise of perfection. It's a promise of coming back home. The promise is mine. And it's yours. If you take hold of it. You've given your heart, your life, and everything to Jesus Christ. The Last Supper reveals there is a promise for our eternity. I've, hold on, Jesus just promised right here that he would be with his people in God's kingdom, in heaven. And if you are part of God's kingdom, if you are part of his family, you can trust there is an eternity and there is security in that. I've heard many people claiming to be Christians say, I just don't know if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Did Jesus promise you would be saved if you're in him? Did Jesus say, I will take away your sins and you will go stand before my father? There we go. Okay. They've forgotten to. Okay. Jesus promised to celebrate with a marriage feast with his people in heaven, right? If Jesus promised it, why would you doubt it? 
There is eternal security because Jesus said it. I don't have to feel saved. I just know I am. If you're in a relationship with anybody, you know what it's like to not feel in love because of how they responded or acted or said something. You don't feel in love, but you know you are. There's a big difference between feelings and knowledge. I don't have to feel saved. That's based on me. I have to know I'm saved based on him. There is eternal security. If Jesus promises to celebrate us with us in heaven, we have no room to doubt. I am going to heaven. I know it. And because I know it, oh man, I want to take you with me. Because I know it, I will talk and live a certain way. Because I know it, I'm going to say it. Not if, but because I know. The Last Supper reveals all this to us. The Last Supper reveals that God is in control. That my sins are never hidden. That God, that Jesus came because of my sins to take them away so that he could give me eternal security. Let me ask you a question. Does it ever feel like your life is out of control? There are so many things going on. Tragedy, trials, problems. Is sin sin running and ruining parts of your life? Does it seem like things spiral out of control? They're always bringing heartache and disaster. Maybe it's time to take a detour from the plan and purposes that you have placed in life and switch them to the destination of God, of following Him. Take a detour from your everyday plans and seek what Easter is all about. Maybe you need to take a detour from where you are and actually come to the cross and say, you know what, I'm tired of trying it. I'm trying to, tired of faking it. I am just going to go to Him. Maybe you need to let God bring control and order to your life to get rid of addictions or habits, to bring your burdens and cares, your worries, addictions, everything, and lay them on the one who wants to take them from you. There are going to be a lot of good people who don't make it to heaven. There's going to be a whole bunch of bad people who do. I'm one of them. I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. But he has given it. Maybe you think you're going to go to heaven because you're not a bad person. Bad people go to heaven. Because there are no good people. That's what Romans teaches us. Bad people are covered by the righteousness of God's blood, of Jesus' blood, who are washed and cleansed, come to him. You need to come in repentance. He's fine. Come in repentance, come and declare allegiance to him, and go to the destination that Jesus did. Go to that foot of the cross and look at the price he paid that we should have. Go to him. If you feel like life is out of control, let me just tell you, there's only one who can control it. And we can go to the one who said, this supper is it for now. But wait until we have another. There's all these people who are planning these big 
um, after COVID meals. They're going to have these big celebrations. People are already saying, I'm having a 4th of July picnic, and you're all invited. They are nothing compared to the feast, to the party, to the celebration with the one who created everything. And I'm going. I've got my invitation. I've got an assured seat at the table. Do you? If you do, don't doubt it. And start telling people. And if you don't, if you don't know if you have that seat, come talk to us. Let us introduce you fully and formally to the one who will give that to you. Let's stand. Let's worship our God. And if you have questions or if you want to seek that, come talk to one of us in the back.